Remember the Thai cave rescue? What about the mission depicted in Black Hawk Down or the epic rescue shown in Captain Phillips? You've probably heard of all of these, but did you know that U.S. Air Force Special Warfare played a pivotal role in all of them? These airmen are the most highly trained warriors on the planet. Other forces like the SEALs and Army Rangers call on them to provide skills no one else can. Not many people make the cut, but if you think you can, visit AirForce.com to learn more. If you don't know SiriusXM, then listen up. Commercial-free music plus sports, comedy, talk, and news. They have it all. And right now, you can get your first three months of SiriusXM outside the car for just $1. Go to SiriusXM.com busted to see offer details and to subscribe. Offer available to new SiriusXM streaming subscribers. SiriusXM, no car required. This is the Busted Open Podcast. You can listen to the full show weekdays from 9 a.m. to 12 p.m. Eastern on Sirius XM, Fight Nation, channel 156. Welcome to the Busted Open Podcast. This is Dave LaGreca. On today's episode, WWE Hall of Famer Bully Ray and I discuss who we think could be the face of SmackDown once it moves over to Fox on Friday nights. Speaking of SmackDown, our main event next Friday, Kofi Kingston, your WWE champion, and Brock Lesnar. Who do we think should and could win that big main event on the debut episode? And speaking of next week, how about this? Cody Rhodes, the man behind AEW, on his social media accounts, had an open letter to all the AEW fans. What was said in the letter and how it may even harken back to something that happened back in 1983. We discuss on this edition of the Busted Open Podcast. Let's look ahead to what we're going to see on the first ever SmackDown on Fox Bully. And that is we're going to get Brock versus Kofi. We're going to get Becky and Charlotte versus Sasha and Becky. And there's going to be some legends including if you listen to that 60-second promo that they played last night, Hulk Hogan and Stone Cold Steve Austin for the 20th anniversary. They're loaded up. They are loaded up. Why wouldn't they be? Now, it's interesting because you're gonna, you've had Stone Cold now a few times over the last couple of months, and you're going to get Hogan and Flair on Monday's show. And then you're going to get Hogan again for SmackDown on Friday, along with Stone Cold Steve Austin. Are you surprised that they're going to throw out Hogan on Monday before the big show on Friday? Um, I think Hulk Hogan still is interesting enough where people will tune in to see him. Uh, I think it's a good opportunity to plant the subliminal seed. If you got Hogan and Flair in the ring, what would you like to see happen? Uh, I I mean it's to me it's crystal clear. What? What's that? I want I want to see the fiend. The fiend attack Ric Flair and Hulk Hogan. You know what? Makes not sense. both. Of, not not both of them. Because if you're advertising Hogan Hogan for Raw and for SmackDown, you can't have the fiend attack Hogan on Raw and then have Hogan show up on SmackDown. It just kills the fiend. But you have the lights go out and you have the fiend attack Ric Flair. And you have Hogan get away with the skin of his teeth. That I kind of like. Now, whether or not they go down that road or not, I have no idea. If I had the pencil, that's what I'd be doing. Maybe I think Hogan and... Go ahead. I'm sorry. Maybe they need to do something like that. Because if you look ahead to next Sunday and Hell in a Cell, 
I think that crowd for that show is going to be behind Bray Wyatt and not Seth Rollins. Maybe you need to start doing things next week to get people to be on Seth Rollins' side. Am I off by saying that? It seems like every week we come on the show and sometimes we feel that the crowd is on Seth Rollins' side and sometimes we feel that the crowd is kind of losing interest in Seth Rollins. I I think Seth Rollins still has to get to that next level of over. It all depends on who Seth is in the ring with at any given moment and whether or not people want to fully invest in him. I mean, look at the face-to-face that he had with Braun Strowman, Dave. Was on Monday Night Raw. Was he the definitive, clear-cut baby face that everybody was behind? No. It was it's kind of down the middle. And actually there were times during Seth's promo where people were just kind of sitting sitting on their hands. I'm not saying that he did a bad job with his promo. He did a he did a fine job with his promo. But it, are people completely invested in him? And then it, it's obvious that Seth is doing something that's very um that's very baby facious. He keeps referring to the crowds as you guys. He's trying to talk to the crowd as if they're his friends. You know, you guys know that I'm this. Or, you know, what do you guys think about this? He's being very inclusive, which I think is a great idea. I just don't know if it's working for him. Well, it's just not working because I just don't have that emotional attachment to Seth Rollins when he's on the microphone. I think, again, he does a great job when he's in the ring. Phenomenal wrestler. And we've seen with Bray Wyatt that he has a fear of the fiend Bray Wyatt. You know what? Makes a lot of sense building to that match that we're going to see at Hell in a Cell. But when he takes the microphone, all those things that he can do in a physical form doesn't come out with words when he's doing a promo. Did you like the picture that they painted last week and this week where you saw Seth Rollins curled up in a ball in the corner showing the emotion of fear for the for the fiend? I liked it last week, but I wasn't crazy about it this week. I agree with you. Last week was great. This week was a little questionable. The only reason I'll say this week was questionable is because Seth Rollins had an opportunity to get the hell out of that ring. And he didn't. He stayed there. But what I, I'm not quite sure if I'm bothered by this or not. Last night, listen, uh, this Monday night, listening to him talk, it's him admitting the fear. It's him admitting he was paralyzed. Now, on one hand, I'm like, that's good because everybody can relate to what it's like to be so afraid that they're paralyzed. But I don't know if I want my universal champion showing how vulnerable he is to fear. Wow. Because as you're talking, a couple of things came to my mind. One is, you're right. Do you want your universal champion to be petrified of somebody? And two, if he is, he hasn't been able to describe that on the microphone. When he starts shows, it's almost like what happened the week before didn't take place. Like, so if you do have that fear and you are petrified, well, maybe articulate that to the audience in your promo so you do get some of that baby face sympathy, and that hasn't happened. The other thing, too, Bully, is that you had Braun Strowman in the ring, and Braun Strowman was attacked with that mandible claw, correct? And then yes. he went to Seth Rollins, and you saw Seth Rollins cower in the corner. But what Braun Strowman did is he got back up and faced Bray and the Fiend again. He got knocked down again, but he faced his fear and got back up. You can't say the same thing for Seth Rollins. So you have one baby face in Braun Strowman 
still trying to attack the Fiend, losing, but still trying. And then you had another one that wasn't even in the game because he was cowering in the corner. And the point that you brought up is so much more important than what they were focused on. I guarantee you that they weren't focused on the fact that Braun was showing that he was heroic by trying to get back up. What they were doing was, well, we have to protect Braun's size. That's what they were probably concerned with. Because if they were so concerned about Braun looking heroic, then how come they didn't show the same concern for Seth? If, if I'm Seth Rollins in that scenario, this is the second time this fiend guy is in the ring. He has the mandible claw on Braun Strowman. Why didn't Seth Rollins get up and curb stomp the Fiend right there? He had the opportunity. Why didn't he? Why is he so paralyzed with fear? That's my disconnect in Monday night. I just saw him laying there, not doing anything, but I saw the other pseudo baby face at least try to fight back a little. How the hell... Can I be totally emotionally invested in Seth Rollins if all he's going to do is hang out in the corner like a scaredy cat? And yet one side of it is you're right, Bully. If he was able to articulate that, like you said, everybody has fears. So if Seth Rollins took the microphone to start that show on Monday and said, you know what, I got to be honest with you all. I'm the champion. I think I'm a great professional wrestler and a great athlete. And I've, I was able to conquer the beast. But I have a fear of the fiend. I have to tell you outright, I am scared of the fiend. But he didn't do that. And the other part of it, which I don't understand, when the show went off the air on Monday, Seth Rollins did go after the fiend and actually curb stomped the fiend. Why they decided to do that off the air and not on the air, I don't quite understand. I, I, I mean, I didn't. That's to send the people home happy. So it's like we're going to send the, the, the 10, 15, 20,000 in attendance home happy, but on TV we're trying to portray something else. Um, and you said that, you know, in his promo he didn't admit his fear. I thought he kind of did. I thought he taught, I thought he spoke about it like it being a nightmare or something very terrifying to him. My problem was in him saying all this stuff, it felt weird to have him admitting to all of this fear but I don't think anybody in the crowd was able to relate to it. it. It just didn't feel right. It didn't come across right. It didn't resonate with me. And why do you think that is, Bully? I don't think he says it with any kind of emotion where you believe what he's saying. It's just words coming out of his mouth. He, he doesn't have that, and I hope he finds it. And maybe he does, and he just hasn't been able to come across. And we get to talk about promos possibly being scripted and everything else. He doesn't grab me emotionally so that those words, like you just said, kind of went over my head because I don't know if he grabbed the people's attention with it. You know, when it comes to speaking in the ring and using your voice as a tool, as a weapon, using tone, using inflection, using your pauses, using the way you look at the audience. What was what was the biggest complaint about Bobby Roode for the longest time? It was his ability to speak on the microphone, right? Because he's he just a wrestler. One, he's a wrestler and he's one dimensional on the microphone. He's just that very gruff, straight ahead, I'm going to tell you what's on my mind kind of guy, right? Mm -hmm. Isn't Seth Rollins the same type of promo as a Bobby Roode? 
Uh, yes, I would say yes. But but Robert Roode, Bobby Roode, whatever, he was able to overcome that with NXT. And they did it as a heel. Maybe what the problem is with Seth Rollins, he just doesn't fit that babyface role. Maybe he's better suited as a heel. Or maybe it's creative not being able to identify his strengths as a speaker and just catering to those strengths. And this is where a guy like Heyman comes in. And I'm sure Paul is working with multiple people across the board. But we've seen Charlotte do a better job with her promos because of Paul. Yes. We've seen Becky do a better job with her promos because of Paul. It takes a guy like Paul who can look deep into the soul of a wrestler and really extract what's pure about their character and be able to harp on it. I, they need to cater to Seth a little better. They need to write to his 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 way of speaking a little bit better. And I, and I think the crowd will be able to uh, emotionally attach to him a little bit better. Like what you're hearing? Catch Busted Open live weekdays from 9 a.m. to 12 p.m. Eastern on Sirius XM Fight Nation Channel 156 or on demand with the Sirius XM app. We always kind of talk about Raw being the quote-unquote variety show. But you're probably going to need a little bit of a taste of that on Fridays with SmackDown. Uh, absolutely. It's a brand new product to so many people. Listen, anybody who watches SmackDown now on Tuesday nights is going to be watching SmackDown on Friday nights or they will be DVRing it. It, nobody is going to stop watching SmackDown. So the WWE knows that they have that built-in audience ready to go. Now it's all about catering to the people that have never seen the show before. And that's why you want to have that variety. Before we went to break, I'm very interested to hear what you have to say. You said that there was one name that you think could be the the crossover name to carry the SmackDown brand. Who do you think it is? I think it's Becky Lynch. And let me tell you why. Like, uh, we've had our struggles with Becky Lynch creatively for the most part, Bully, you would agree, right? About the way she was treated going into WrestleMania 35 and coming out of WrestleMania 35. Any of the any of the negativity that we've had to talk about when it re in regards to Becky is about the creative that was handed to her and not Becky's performance. There's a new commercial. I don't know if you've seen it. That ESPN Sports Center commercial with Becky Lynch, where she's yes. at a Starbucks. Yes. I think she comes across amazing in that commercial to the point where my brother called me last night, who's not a wrestling fan, and he's my brother, and he doesn't even listen to this show, which really pisses me off because I listen to his show every day, but he doesn't have the common courtesy to listen to this show, even though he's in the car while we're having this show live. But that's I digress. He called me last night and he said that who's that who's that champion that wrestler that's in that new ESPN commercial and I went wow that's what you want you want those people to say wait a second who who is that person wow she really came across she hold, and and she has the title around her waist so she's showing off that she's a champion I think she would be a wonderful representative of SmackDown on Fridays. Uh, Becky Lynch has a very unique quality that not a lot of pro wrestlers have. It's the number one quality somebody needs to have 
who does infomercials. Do you know the word I'm looking for? What's that? Likeability. Mm. You have to be likable. And when you can be likable, people will get into you no matter if they're into wrestling or whatever else you're, you're hawking at the moment. And what is Bre- Becky Lynch hawk? What does she sell? She sells pro wrestling. Your brother Don is a perfect example. I love when we get examples like this. Don is not a wrestling fan, could give two craps about pro wrestling. I mean, I'm sure he's a little jealous that his brother has a highly rated show, Mm -hmm. higher rated than his, but I digress also. One's local and one's national, so there's a huge difference, obviously. (laughs) But Don gave you a call, and he he was intrigued enough to pick up the phone and go, who the hell is this girl? She resonated with him. And, and that's the, exactly what the WWE wants to do. Do I think Becky Lynch is getting there to that crossover appeal? Yes, I think she's in the right direction. I think she's on her way. But I don't think she's the, she's the, the one person that the WWE can rely on at this moment. Because if they could, you wouldn't have been bringing in people like Hulk Hogan and Stone Cold Steve Austin. I mean, seriously, why are they relying on Hogan on Friday night on SmackDown? Because, they, because everybody knows who Hulk Hogan is. That, that's it. Bottom line. End of story. Hulk Hogan is one of the most recognizable faces on the planet. So that's why you put him on the debut show, because people who don't know what the WWE is today know who Hulk Hogan is, and thus they might turn in just to see him. And I, and I love what you said, because Becky's not there yet, because not everybody knows who she is. But I feel like she could be the one wrestler on the roster where maybe two years down the road we might be having a different discussion. Because I, I look at it this way. And we talked about how Fox is going to want one of those mainstream names, like a Ronda Rousey or like a Brock Lesnar. But I still feel that a lot of fans, when they look at Ronda and they look at Brock, they still look at them as UFC fighters and not pro wrestlers. Becky Lynch would be that one representative because just like John Cena, John Cena was always a WWE superstar. Whenever he did a talk show, whenever he did late night TV, he represented the WWE. I see the same thing in a Becky Lynch. I agree with you that she's on her way, just like we said. I don't agree with the comment about Brock Lesnar being viewed as a UFC guy. I think Brock Lesnar is a WWE guy who who made a name for himself in the UFC also. Ronda, definitely a UFC fighter who made a tremendous name for herself within the world of the WWE. Such a name for herself that if it wasn't for Ronda Rousey, the women would have never main evented WrestleMania. And I know that pisses a lot of people off, but it's the truth. It's it's a cold, hard fact. Now, what happens to, in your opinion, Becky Lynch could become the face of, of SmackDown on Friday nights on Fox, correct? Yes. What happened if Ronda Rousey decided to come back and be there also? Who becomes the face of SmackDown? I mean, I think, and, I, and again, this is why it's a process. I think at first it would be Ronda Rousey. But I think you use that mainstream appeal of Ronda Rousey to get over Becky Lynch. Correct. And this is where the business comes in, the business of television. Whether you like it or not, Ronda Rousey, probably on a worldwide level, is still more of a household name than Becky Lynch. Thus, that's why you would want to use her for her star power, but also use her to bring Becky up to the next level. And that's what they did during WrestleMania.
And I actually think these missteps that happen with Becky might turn out to be an advantage for her in the long run. And let me explain. I'll, I'll see if you agree. We had the creative differences when it came to Becky. You know, the things that happened at the Rumble that we questioned. You know, the ending of the match at WrestleMania 35 with Ronda's shoulder being up. And then the misstep of Seth Rollins and the relationship and making that a part of the show, which never really got off the ground and I don't think really did much for Becky Lynch. Becky Lynch now is really getting into that stride. And she's getting into that stride at the perfect time. We talk about teams like in the NFL. When do you want to get hot? You don't want to get hot early in the season. You want to get hot late in the season just before you make a playoff run. I think that's happening with Becky. She's getting hot at the perfect time just before this move to SmackDown on Fridays. She's getting hot for two reasons, and they're very glaring to me. She's getting hot because of the outside of the ring things that she's doing, the 2K cover, yep. the, um, the, the ESPN commercials. She did one other thing also, correct? Uh, the, uh, Steve, uh, straight up Steve Austin. Yep. So all of these other shows, all of these other avenues that are giving her, giving her that, that household name, that mainstream appeal, plus there's a very definitive in-ring reason she's getting so hot, Dave. Do you know why? Yeah, it's called Sasha Banks. And Charlotte Flair and Bailey, she's in the mix with other girls who are better wrestlers than her, thus making her work up to the next level. I'm not saying that any of those women are better characters than Becky Lynch or more over than Becky Lynch because they're not. However, they are better wrestlers. They are better athletes. I mean, look at look at what Becky admitted on Straight Up with Steve Austin. She admitted that as a child, she wasn't really an athlete and, you know, she was kind of, you know, out of shape and didn't do well in gym and stuff like that. Do you think that was the same about Sasha or Charlotte? No, they were athletes from, you know, from when they were small children. They were shooting three-pointers the minute they came bobsledding out. Yep. I mean, they were athletes at birth. So it, it's just a fact. These girls are better athletes, which is great for Becky because it's just going to make her a better athlete, make her a better wrestler. And it's always good when you have that next level to work up to. And here's the thing. like I get a lot of flack on social media about what I say about Becky Lynch. And a lot of times what we say, Bully, about Becky Lynch. And even what Mark has said about Becky Lynch at times. The one thing that we all do here on Busted Open is we don't fake it. We tell you exactly what we're feeling in that moment. Leading up to WrestleMania 35, I did not like the way that they handled the Rumble situation with Becky. I didn't like the way that the end of the match occurred at WrestleMania 35. Not pointing fingers of blame, but... Hey, momentum and story and the way things are perceived mean a lot to me. I'm not going to just say, I'm not going to just throw those things out the window because I have a blind love and faith in Becky Lynch. Because on the surface, I don't. I only give you my opinion of what I see. And right now, I love Becky Lynch more right now than at any other point leading up to WrestleMania 35 or coming out of WrestleMania 35. Because you know why? Becky has me believing in her. I believe in her as a wrestler. A lot of it has to do with what you just said, who she's in the ring with. But I believe in her as a champion. And right now, I'm believing her in her potential of being a mainstream superstar. Dave, blind wrestling fans can't handle the truth. 
especially when it comes to somebody like Becky Lynch, whose fans are so, it's Becky and nothing else. And you're so right. We come on the show and we're honest and we're truthful, but we're also respectful. The number one reason I enjoyed this show from day one with you and Mortman is because I always told you guys, you're respectful to the world of pro wrestling. You're entitled to your opinions, your reviews. You like something, you hate something, but you always were respectful. And me and Mark and Tommy, we're always going to be respectful towards the guys and girls because we understand the business. But we're going to be fair, honest, sometimes brutally honest with our assessments of the situations. You're telling me about how much you like Becky Lynch right now, how much you love Becky Lynch right now. I'm a fan of Becky lately, not only because of who she's in the ring with, but because of that Starbucks commercial with ESPN. I love watching wrestlers do things outside of their comfort zone and having it work so well. I loved Becky on Straight Up with Steve Austin because it came across so conversational. It was fun. I got to, you know, a lot of the fans of Busted Open like listening to me and you talk because they feel like they're in the locker room. I felt like I was watching two old buds talk with Steve and Becky. Yeah, I did too. And that's what you want because that's really at the end of the day what's going to give you that emotional attachment. And there's not that much difference from the Becky that you see on TV and the Becky that was on Stone Cold Steve Austin. She was a little cocky. You know what I'm saying? She was kind of playing that man character that she does in the ring. And there's nothing wrong with that. I like that because what makes a good promo is that there's some realism in a promo. What's going to get a character over is some of that realism. It's it's what you truly are, but amplified. And Dave... You said that she came across as a bit cocky and you enjoyed that. I enjoyed the fact that she came across as a little bit as a deer in the headlights with Steve. Listen, at the end of that show, when Steve was in the ring standing on the second rope and explaining to Becky what his thought process was when he went to the ring, if you watched Becky's reaction and and her face, she's mesmerized by it. She's like a deer in the headlights. And that's pure emotion right there and that's what i love seeing i hate canned stuff i hate watching stuff that is forced and scripted listen eric rowan last night right he did a good job physically against daniel bryan but but how did that promo come across dave to start the show not great canned scripted right yep when i in in wrestling today canned and scripted is so it's so obvious like you can now you can detect the tone and the inflection you know that people are just memorizing words back in the day you didn't realize that because everybody was doing it the same way but because so many people are speaking from the heart these days the canned scripted promo is becoming evident and obvious that's why i like hearing becky talk the way she does outside of the ring and when you talk about becky outside of the ring if you haven't seen the commercial well mate we're going to play you a little bit of the audio of that ESPN Sports Center commercial with Becky Lynch. Name? Name? What's my name? What have you been hiding under a rock? They don't have TVs in this place. I'm the history maker, the game changer, the first woman to ever main event WrestleMania. Walk out of there, the champ champ Becky Two Belts came from nothing, revolutionized the entire industry. I am the man. I am the Royal Women's Champion. For the cup. Just Becky. Uh, not too much foam, please. 
I love it. It's, it's, it's phenomenal. And then if you're watching it too, her facial expression, she gets it, man. She's next level right now. She's next level. Uh, it's so entertaining to me because she's describing herself in a way that Ric Flair would describe himself back in the day. And she's got so many terms for herself that she almost gets blown up saying them all. Like, I'm known by so many different names that I can't even get them out before I lose my breath. <laughs> oh, oh, you just wanted my name for the cup. Oh, it's Becky. It's really fun. And when you can get into a character that, let me take that back. I'm not getting into a character. I'm actually seeing Rebecca Quinn, and that's what gets me even more into Becky Lynch. I love it. If you don't know SiriusXM, then listen up. Commercial-free music plus sports, comedy, talk, and news, they have it all. A lot of people think you need a car to enjoy SiriusXM, but you don't. You can listen outside the car. Right now, you can get your first three months of SiriusXM outside the car for just $1. Just go to SiriusXM.com busted to see offer details and to subscribe. You can listen on your phone, at home, and online. That's SiriusXM.com busted. Offer available to new SiriusXM shows streaming subscribers Sirius XM no car required I'm wondering if Kofi Kingston is going to lose that WWE championship next Friday to Brock Lesnar because we're going to see that match on the debut episode of Smackdown on Fox and the sit down with Michael Cole last night Kofi Kingston seems very very confident and it's going to be interesting to see what happens next Friday because we talked about it business-wise, makes sense if Brock Lesnar's your champion. But man, you do have a lot when it comes to Kofi Kingston, both as a wrestler and an entertainer. Interesting to see who's going to come out on top next Friday, Bully. Came across very confident, Dave, correct? Yes. He didn't guarantee victory, but he came pretty close to saying he was going to win, right? Mm-hmm. Did he come close enough to saying that he was going to win, that he has to win, or he'll lose credibility? Uh, he's, he's, he's said that before, that he needs this victory, that this victory ne- is important. Saying that you need to win is a lot different than saying, I'm going to win. True. It's, it's like when Seth Rollins cut that promo a couple of months ago on Brock, and he was just very down in the dumps, and he's like, I guarantee you I'm going to win. Or whatever he, words he used. To say that he's going to win, we came on the show and I was like, Dave, if he doesn't win, he's dead in the water. And he did. He followed up on his promise. So is Kofi, I know he hasn't promised us a win. I know he hasn't guaranteed us a win. But has he painted enough of a picture where if he doesn't win, we're going to lose faith in Kofi? It's that That's a great question. Because is there a difference between losing faith in Kofi as a champion or losing faith in Kofi Kingston because he always has the new day to fall back on. Let's face it. If, if Seth Rollins goes out there and loses the universal championship, he's said on promos that he's all about being a champion. When it comes to Kofi Kingston, he's more than just that championship title that's around his waist. So if Kofi Kingston were to lose to Brock, do you lose faith in Kofi or you're like, hey, you know what? He did a tremendous job winning that championship at WrestleMania. It was a dream come true. He got knocked back down to reality, but he proved to himself and to the fans that he can put himself in that position and being a champion. Is that enough for Kofi? Is that enough of a story? Because I think you perceive Kofi as a champion a lot differently than you perceive the other champions. 
Without that promo last night, I'm on board with what you just said. But with that promo last night, it almost feels like he's got to win. And I've been thinking a lot about this match since we talked about it last week. I mean, imagine if Vegas had odds, and they probably do. Imagine if Vegas had odds on this match. I mean, how much of a favorite would Brock Lesnar be? He would be a huge favorite. And and that tells me in the world of pro wrestling to bet the bet the house on Kofi. Is Brock Lesnar such a slam dunk next Friday night that they swerve us and have Kofi retain and then do the immediate rematch in the cell? They could do that. But I don't know. Here's the thing. Because we look at it's, it. We, here's the thing, though, Bully. Seeing, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, I'm sorry. Because we look at it on the Kofi side. But let's look at it for a second on the Brock side. Brock's been doing a lot of losing lately. Now you're making a debut on SmackDown. On the first show on SmackDown where you're hoping that a good percent of your, of your audience are fans that haven't watched in years or maybe have never watched WWE programming. Are you going to have Brock Lesnar lose in that first show? Especially since that could be your unbeatable beast. That's the guy that people are going to look at and say, oh my God, look at that guy. Now that's a wrestler. That's a guy that could kick your ass. Dave, exactly what you're saying now, if you remember, is what I said last week. I'm just making an argument for the other side. I think the most important thing to the WWE is Brock Lesnar holding the SmackDown Championship, the WWE Championship, over his head on SmackDown on Fox on their debut. I mean, earlier we're talking about the the importance of this first show. Why are they rolling out Hulk Hogan? Why are they rolling out Steve Austin? Why are they giving us the four top uh, women in the company in a tag match? Why are they giving us Seth versus Ray? It's firepower after firepower after firepower, giving us a bunch of reasons to tune in, telling us why the SmackDown debut on Fox is must-see television in the moment, not DVR'd. You don't think they're going to want Brock Lesnar, who has that crossover appeal, to be their champion? It's It's huge news for that night. The only reason I'm trying to give you the other side, the other argument, is because it's so damn predictable. Is it so predictable that they leave it on Kofi? Is it so predictable that there's a non-finish? But then we lose that opportunity to catch the lightning in a bottle. I still think that Brock is going to win. You said yesterday, you said something yesterday on the show that I took a little bit of exception to, and I know you didn't really mean it in a, in a mean way, but you were talking to Dreamer about my opinion on something. Uh, I think it was about the Omega promo. And you said, ah, Bully was on the fence. I wasn't on the fence about the Omega promo. What I do on this show is try to give you both sides as if I was a lawyer having to argue both sides of the, of the decision-making process. On the fence can, is probably the wrong term. And I, kind of, I did follow up that you gave both sides of the argument. So I can, I can see what you're saying about, about claiming you were on the fence. I, I don't think I ride the fence much here on the show. And if I did, it better be a strong fence because I'll crush that bastard real quick. <laughs> I, I, like, I, if I'm a lawyer, I can make an argument for why um, 
uh, uh, Brock should win and why Kofi should win. And listen, if I was sitting in that creative you know, room while Vince was going over all this and he looked at me and he said, Bubba, give me a reason for both. I could give you a very valid reason why both guys should win. The Brock reasoning will hold a lot more water than the Kofi reasoning why, but the Kofi reasoning will give you enough benefit of the doubt where it might sway you. And and you do a great job of doing that, Bully. And I understand where you're coming from in this Fox move when it comes to Brock and Kofi. Like to me, if this if this was just another show on USA, if we weren't talking about the debut episode on Fox, I think I would go in the complete different direction. I actually think Kofi Kingston would beat Brock Lesnar. And then you could take Kofi Kingston to that next level. Because he said, hey, I need this match. I need to beat Brock Lesnar to bring credibility to this championship. So I actually would have no doubt that Kofi would beat Brock. I'll take it another way. If this was a match on a pay-per-view, I might say that Kofi Kingston would beat Brock. But we're not talking about a pay-per-view, and we're not talking about SmackDown on the USA Cable Network. We're talking about SmackDown on Fox in front of an audience. You're hoping a much bigger audience that usually tunes in. And then the perception of Brock and the perception of Kofi, Kofi Kingston. We said that if you went up to 10 people on the street, probably all 10 would know the name Brock Lesnar. Would not be the same for Kofi Kingston. Now, this could be a way to teach people about who Kofi Kingston is, and maybe we could be talking about Kofi Kingston the same way we're talking about Becky Lynch. But you have to look at the Brock side of the argument. And when you have a special athlete like Brock Lesnar, and now knowing, Bully, that Brock Lesnar is going to be around a hell of a lot more than he's ever been since his return from the UFC, you got to put some stock into him being the champion. 1,000% agreed, man. And Dave, do you think that there are people out there who are fans of Brock Lesnar, the UFC guy, but really could not have given a damn less about Brock Lesnar and the WWE. Yeah, I'm sure there are. Probably not a ton of people. But there probably are some. So those people are the exact demographic that Vince is going after with Brock. He's going to try to get the UFC fan of Brock Lesnar to tune in to watch Brock on Fox. That's the crossover appeal. And you're only going to get one shot at this with Brock Lesnar, the UFC guy and the WWE guy, holding a WWE championship in the air for the first time on Fox, on network television. It's not going to be Seth Rollins doing it, is it? No, it's not. It's going to be Brock Lesnar. In, in, and I truly believe that in the battle in Vince McMahon's mind of, do I want Brock Lesnar holding my championship on Fox or do I want Kobe Kingston holding my championship on Fox? The businessman in Vince McMahon is going to go with Brock because that's the investment. Let me ask you this. Who, who's the bigger investment, Kobe Kingston or Brock Lesnar? It's Brock Lesnar. I'm sure financially, who, who, in, a, in, in a big way, it's Brock Lesnar. Who do you think Fox wants to be the champion? Brock Lesnar. Who do you think Vince wants to be the champion? Brock Lesnar. Who do you think Paul Heyman and Eric Bischoff want to be the champion? Brock Lesnar. Do you think that there's anybody making the argument for Kofi right now? 
There might be, but if it who it is, I have no idea. The only I think the only people that want to see Kofi Kingston retain that WWE championship are the fans. But again, as we know, they're not catering to the hardcore fan that watches every week. They want to bring in that new fan. You don't move over to Fox just hoping you keep your hardcore fan. You move over to Fox hoping you're going to get a whole new viewership for your show. Catering to your hardcore fan does not help your company to grow. Your hardcore fan base is there and they they will always be there. Any successful wrestling company knows in order to grow, you have to get new eyes on your product. And there are certain wrestling companies out there who really should open their freaking eyes and realize that. Your hardcore fan base is going to be there, and they've probably been there since day one. Time to think a little bit outside of the box, do different things, attract some new eyes. Guess who's doing that wonderfully right now? AEW. Yep, they really are. And you got to grow in order to survive. Like what you're hearing? Catch Busted Open live weekdays from 9 a.m. to 12 p.m. Eastern on Sirius XM Fight Nation Channel 156 or on demand with the Sirius XM app. Yesterday, Cody Rhodes put something out on his social media accounts because we're seven days away, bully. Seven days from the quote-unquote Wednesday Night Wars. And Cody had a message for his fans. And Alex, I know it's a lengthy letter. I don't want to get to everything that Cody had to say. You can go to at Cody Rhodes to find out exactly every word. But give us a little thumbnail it for us, if you will. Well, the letter started with the uh, this hashtag in the tweet that simply reads, I'm with AEW. And uh, Cody penned this letter as kind of an open letter to his fans, kind of recapping what the last two years or so of his life uh, have been like. Uh, he starts the letter out saying, we're eight days out from the most significant night in wrestling in my lifetime. I just wanted to share these thoughts with our incredible fans whose unbridled passion and support have led us to this moment. And he goes on to talk about, you know, what had been going on in the wrestling business that led up to this, the birth of AEW, the fans, how they're going to change wrestling with AEW Dynamite, how he wants fans to speak to him and let him know what they like, what they don't like, what they hate, because they want to tailor-make this product, this AEW product, to the fans. But I want to read this kind of last half here, because I think this stuff is really interesting, and it it starts with him talking about Dusty. He says, in 2015, when I unexpectedly lost my dad, I was very broken. I sought comfort in my friends and family. But what I think helped me the most were the bright lights and the ferocious passion of our fans. Perhaps to an outsider, this may sound melodramatic, but it truly fixed me in ways that are impossible to describe. The accusation that pro wrestling is artificial has never fazed me because I know the feeling of a family enjoying a show, the raucous laughter of fans, the collective gasps, when we test the limits of our bodies and the overall escape we provide as an industry. There's nothing artificial about it, and it's, damn, it's a damn important service. I've had the best education one could ever receive for this job. A pro since age 15, 11 years under the learning tree of such minds as Randy Orton, Vince McMahon, Arn Anderson, Dean Malenko, and countless other wrestling legends. And of course, the three decades I spent talking wrestling every day with the American Dream himself. This next paragraph that follows this is very important. I know what's on the other side of the hill. A billion dollar publicly traded behemoth with 70 years of experience and an expansive network of divisions, subsidiaries, which has ultimately become a monopoly 
in wrestling. Yeah, I'm a bit nervous, I'm a little scared too, but I'm saddling up in DC anyway, along with the best partners and wrestlers on the planet. I'm with AEW because AEW is for everybody, and I hope everybody tunes in and gives us a chance to shine for you. Thank you. You, you know what, Bully? I read these, that especially like what Alex said, the final two paragraphs, because he did a great job of explaining what he went through you know, leaving the WWE to let the last couple of years have been like for him and about his father. And I think everybody can understand those emotions. But I think the last two paragraphs of this letter is something that you could probably go back to in 1983. But instead of Cody's name attached to the letter, you would put the name Vince McMahon. When you read those last two paragraphs... Vince McMahon probably said the exact same thing back in 1983. Because wasn't he going up against decades and decades and decades of a system that was in place in pro wrestling forever? That territory system going up against the NWA, that's exactly what Cody is going up against right now. That territory system is what lied on the other side of the hill for Vince McMahon. And Vince was very willing to acknowledge it back then. Up until this note, we've been hearing people, and maybe even Cody has said it, there's no competition, this is not a war, they're going to do our thing, we're going to do our thing, and everybody can enjoy everything. Well, I agree everybody can enjoy everything, but why would Cody acknowledge that on the other side of the hill, there's a multi-billion dollar company with 70 years of experience behind it? Obviously, whoever is on the other side of the hill is somebody that you eventually plan on meeting at the top of the hill and planning on battling at the top of the hill for wrestling supremacy. This is competition. This is a war. Make no bones about it. People can sit here and hide behind their politically correct bullshit because that's exactly what it is. Politically correct BS. I also love some of the things that he did in this letter to subliminally reinforce that it is a war and it is competition, Dave. When you see the hashtag, I'm with AEW, what does it tell you? It's, it's, it's banding the troops together. Who's, with, with, who's with us and who are we going up against? So when you watch like any kind of mo- old movie, when, you know, they go, you know, the, the general raises his hand and he goes to war, who's with us? And everybody goes, yay. That's the same thing here. And the troops are the AEW fans. And nobody has been as good as making their fans feel like they are a part of the war as AEW is. AEW admittedly is very inclusive. AEW has brought fans as close to them as ECW brought fans to them. It's worked in the past and it will definitively work again. When Vince McMahon decided to take the WWF National, was he going to war? Yes. Absolutely. 
to the point where we heard stories like Harley Race, you know, you know, pulling a gun on Hulk Hogan. That was that was like real legitimate war. Yes. Because Vince in building his company and building up the WWF was putting other people out of business. When two two teams meet on the on the battlefield, when two football teams meet, it's a war. You're trying to defeat the other team for supremacy. I look at what Is, Vince McMahon did in 1983, bully, and we talk about, you know, the Harley race with the gun on Hogan, whether it was myth, story, legend, who knows. When you talk about all those promoters and things that were in place for, so I guess, since the existence of pro wrestling, you know, going up against a company like the NWA that was together for decades. People compared the territory system. What is it always compared to, Bully? You compare when people talk about comparisons to the territory system. What do they compare it to? What do they compare the territory to? I'm sorry, I'm not following. No, like you always hear like Jr. When they compare the territory system, they compare it to the mafia. Ah, okay, yes, very good example, yes. Thanks for listening. Catch us weekdays on Busted Open from 9 a.m. to 12 p.m. Eastern on Sirius XM. Fight Nation Channel 156. The Busted Open Podcast. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.